This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. What's the date today? Oh, yeah, you're with it. You're even wide awake. You know, you have to live a hundred years in order to get to that date again. So uh, this is probably the only time in our lifetime that uh, we will uh, have a date like that. And I I learned over the weekend that uh, approximately ten times as many weddings are taking place today as would usually take place on the 10th of October. So there's one more 10. How's that? Yeah. So for those of you who are already married or not getting married today, welcome to church. It's a, it's a fun time. And you know, uh, I'm doing a wedding this afternoon, so I can testify. There, there's plenty of weddings on this day. Now, I want to welcome you to church because this is our opportunity to meet with God This is our opportunity to reflect. This is our opportunity to grow spiritually, to develop as followers of Christ. It's it's our opportunity to take a step forward in our spiritual journey. So no matter where you might be or where I might be, in that spiritual journey, I have prayed this morning that we would all take a step forward. So I want to welcome you to the opportunity to do that. I want to encourage you in that opportunity as well. We have come to learn. We've been singing and praising God and worshiping Him. And now it's our turn to take our hearts and open them and say, God, would you speak into my life? Would you teach me something today that would help me live in a way that would be more challenging, that would be more helpful, that would make me live to a fuller dimension than I currently live? And so that's what we're going to work on this morning. I want to encourage you to take your programs, and out of your programs, if you would find the sheet of notes that looks like this, at the top it says, teaching notes, and then underneath that it says, David Fugitive. And we are, um, our current sermon series is dealing with the life of one of the Bible's most famous characters. He is David. He is actually King David of the nation of Israel. And I had someone ask me last week, well, was King David the, the, the same guy who had the problem with Bathsheba and the same guy who killed Goliath? And the answer to that is yes. Same guy, different parts of his life. Um, so out of David's life, he remains Israel's most beloved king and still is quite famous uh, in the nation of Israel and around the world. So we're learning that. Now, underneath where it says David fugitive, it says three words. Would you read them out loud with me? Ready? Let's read. Trusting God's plan. Wow. Trusting God's plan. That's an important thing for us. Um, Now, last week we learned about David and his devotion to worship and how worship built into his life this wonderful solid foundation of faith which enabled him to thrive and to prosper and to grow even when times were tough and, and when, when, there were, when there was great opposition. And one of the challenges that we gave to you last week was that 
you would take 24 hours, and during that 24 hours, you wouldn't listen to talk radio, you wouldn't read magazines, you'd turn off the TV, and you would listen to worship music. And uh, somewhere in excess of 70 of you took that challenge, and uh, I took that challenge, and I can tell you that uh, it was Tuesday evening that I was sitting in my recliner for an hour before I went to bed that night, having listened to worship music all day long on the radio in my car when I was driving from place to place. But I sat in in my recliner that faces the TV with the TV off, and I had headphones on, and I was listening to worship music. And I got to tell you, it was peaceful and relaxing and wonderful and good. It was, believe it or not, it was even more relaxing than watching sports. (laughs) Had somebody asked me today, then sports, how could that be relaxing? I said, have you ever watched golf? (laughs) Yeah, that's relaxing. Anyway, I I, I hope and pray that as you met God during that 24 hours, that uh, that was a wonderful experience for you. And of course, the idea is that we wouldn't do that once in a lifetime. Does everybody catch on to that? that we would meet God regularly in that. Now this morning, we have a very interesting challenge, and that is learning to trust in God's plan for our lives. And so let's go right away to some background scriptures because they are very, very important. Okay? Here's the first one. God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Okay? What I want you to underline is the very first part of that. I know the plans I have for you. Very simply stated, that means that you're not wandering through life with no master plan for your life. Now, you might not know what that master plan is, but the plan exists nevertheless. Can we just admit something up front? And that is, we like to be in control. Would you say that out loud with me? I like to be in control, right? Let's say it. I like to be in control. And that's one of the reasons we struggle with trusting God's plans. I I remember um, two guys who were talking about flying, and one of the guys had he just had a um, a very significant fear of flying. And his buddy was trying to talk to him logically, and he was saying to him, "Darren, you got to understand, man, that flying is safe. I mean, it is. If you look at all the statistics, it's the safest mode of transportation. You're way safer in a plane than you are in a car, and you get in a car every single day." And 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 his buddy just wasn't getting it. Darren just wasn't getting it. And finally, in frustration, he says to Darren, "Darren, look, man." If God decides it's your time to go, it's your time to go. He doesn't make a difference if you're in an airplane, in a car, or sitting in front of your TV at home. If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Darren thought about that for a minute, and he said, Yeah, I got that. I don't struggle with that. Here's what I struggle with. What if I'm in an airplane, and God decides it's the pilot's time to go? (laughs) You know, we like to be in control, don't we? Yeah, we love to be in control. Now, God says, I have a plan for you. Now, the second verse says, if God is for us, I want you to circle and underline that word for. 
If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And how would we know that God is for us? He says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Wow, if God would do that, won't he also give us everything else? Psalm 84. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. Warmth and protection. The Lord bestows favor and honor. I want you to under, underline that. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who what? Oh, there it is, the T word. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. And then Proverbs chapter 3 begins to point to a problem that we all have. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what I want you to underline. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's where we struggle. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Now, from those passages, there are two great principles we can learn. Number one, God is on our side. And those of you this morning who are parents have a distinct advantage over those of you who have never been parents. Because as a parent, you realize how much of your time and your life, no matter what age your children are, that you spend trying to convince them that you're actually on their side. Isn't that true? And how much of the time they think you're actually not. And you are basically saying to them, trust me, I have a plan for your day. It's a good one. And they're thinking what? Doesn't sound good to me. I mean, vegetables? What's for dessert? Yeah, Take a nap? Who'd want to do that? You know, and that's when you say, wait till you get to be my age. You would pay for a nap, right? We've all said that, right? Yeah. You know, in some ways, we never grow out of that. God says, I have a plan for your life. I have a plan for your day. And, and it's a great plan. It's a good plan. I have your best interest in mind. I'm on your side. I'm actually for you. And we look at God and go, are you sure? Even though down in here, we know it, but we struggle. Okay? Second principle we can learn is this. God's plan for our life is always better than ours. And once again, like little children, if you were to ask your five-year-old if your plan for his life was better than his plan for his life, what would he say? No. I remember having a conversation with our oldest child, our son, Uh, who now lives in Honolulu, when he was 14. And I remember saying to him, Son, I mean, he he was sure that there was something we were doing with his two sisters that wasn't as good as it should have been. And I remember saying to him, Well, let's get something straight. You're 14. You've never had a job in your life. You've never paid rent one day. You've never paid a single bill in your life. You've never managed anyone ever before in any position of responsibility. You've never even lived outside of the home where you are. 
You've never ever provided for a family. You've never ever fathered any children. You've never ever been the leader of any family. And I've done all of the above and I'm almost 40 and yet you think you could manage this family better than me. And he looked at me dead serious and said, yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah. To which I did not reply, but I thought, I cannot wait till you have a 14-year-old. You will remember this conversation. Yeah. Again, we just don't tend to grow out of that. But God's plan for our life is always better than our plan. Now, intuitively, we all know that. And in fact, if I had asked you this morning, if, if at the top of your notes there had been a thing, that, a question that said, which is better for you? And underneath, there were only two choices. God's plan for your life or your plan for your life. Which one would you have checked? God's plan. Because you're in church, right? <laughs> but even if you weren't in church, I would have expected most of you to say, yeah, God's plan. So intuitively, we know His plan is better than ours. Intuitively, we know we should trust His plan. And yet, why do we find it so challenging and difficult sometimes to pursue His plan and not our own? Well, that's because there are three major sidetracks that we encounter along the way, and they easily get us detoured. And we're, we're out here following after God And the next thing you know, we're no longer following after God. When I lived in Portland, there were some guys in the church who loved to hunt birds. They were chuckers. I don't even know what a chucker looks like. But they would go to eastern Oregon, and they had bird dogs, and they would train their bird dogs and all that stuff. But the one thing thing they said to me is, when you're training a bird dog to hunt birds, if it ever starts chasing rabbits, just get rid of it. Because, you know, it starts out after a bird, all of a sudden, rabbit, and then away it goes, you know. And next thing you know, you're ready to shoot a bird, and there's a rabbit running across. And it's like, that's frustrating. Have you ever wondered how many times in our life we start out following God's plan, and the next thing you know, where are we? Chasing rabbits. It's our own will. It's our own plan. How did that happen? Three things, and we're going to talk about them this morning. And in David's life, let me, let me walk you through David's life for just a minute. Last week we talked about David the shepherd, David the young boy who was on the hills of Judea and he was worshiping God with his harp and singing to God and writing songs while he was shepherding the sheep. And then he got anointed to become the next king of Israel and his life was about ready to change forever because he was going to leave what was a very peaceful life for one that would be filled with pressure. We'll talk a lot more about that later. But in the intervening time, David thinks he's going from shepherd to what? King. (laughs) Not so fast. Between being shepherd and being king, there was a period of about 10 years where David was a fugitive running for his own life. And his life was so unsafe that there were periods of time when he could not even live in his home country, but actually had to flee outside the country. And it was during those 10 years or more, probably a little bit longer than that, that David was a fugitive, that we see him encountering these three things. 
and how he navigated his way through the things that often distract us and get us off track. So let's learn from that. You know what they are? The first one is inconvenience. Okay? So let's read. Here's the, here's the passage. David went to Saul and began serving him. And Saul loved David very much. So far, so good, right? That all sounds really good. Saul is the king, and David is, is, a, is a young boy, maybe 15 to 17 years of age, and, and, uh, and, and he goes to serve in the palace of the king, in the court of the king, and Saul loved David very much. Now, the next phrase looks rather innocuous in the Scripture, but it's not. And David became his what? Now, if you get to choose between being a shepherd and being in the middle of war and keeping track of the king's swords and spears and holding up the shield, so the deal is, if somebody's shooting at the king, do you put the shield in front of yourself or the king? You got it? Yeah. He has to endanger his own life to save the life of the king. goes on to say, Saul sent this word to Jesse. Now, Jesse is David's father, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever, again, that sounds really good, but the next part doesn't. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Question for you. If God came to you and said, You know what the next step in my plan for your life is? you are going to be the personal assistant to a man who's tormented by an evil spirit. I'm in. Are you kidding? No way. But that was. In fact, I want you to look up here on, on the... Look at the top of your notes, and you're going to see something that says, David Fugitive Trusting God's Plan, right? Okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a circle around these three words. Would we ever naturally connect those three words? You know, if God were to come to us and say, here's my plan for you. You're going to be a fugitive for 10 years. We would be looking for a different plan. Right away. That's when we'd be looking for the exit door saying, i got a better plan than that. That's what I want to talk to us about. You see, there's a, there's a truth here that we have to latch on to, okay? And first, let's look at the principle from David's life because that's the challenge or the encouragement from us. And that is, David trusted God's plan even when it was inconvenient. And I, will get, I want to teach you an ultimate truth that comes out of that, okay? And here's the truth that comes out of that. In every single one of God's plans that we have written about in Scripture, there is always a significant element of inconvenience, and it always requires personal sacrifice and investment. Always. Now, friends, when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there's not a single person in there that was used in a great way by God, where the Bible says he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, raised in the lap of luxury, lived all of his life with no enemies, no opposition, no criticism. There was never anything inconvenient about his life, and he died of old in, in his old age in his sleep. 
It, it just isn't that way. This is earth. This is not heaven. Right? In fact, Jesus said it like this to his followers. In this world, you will have trouble. And yet somehow we get surprised when trouble hits. And God's given us a whole Bible filled with the lives of people. And every one of them encountered trouble. And the idea is, God says, I will be with you. I will walk with you through those troubles. But I want to tell you, as you begin to, to, to pursue my plan for your life, please don't expect everything just to go easy. Because there will be inconvenience. And you know the truth is, when it gets inconvenient, unfortunately, that's sort of the first detour that we tend to take. And when we take the detour, we start to forfeit God's plan. We begin working on our own plan. And what did we learn already? God's plan is always or sometimes always better than our plan. And that's the first challenge that God gives us today. And it's the great thing that David did. Was it inconvenient for him? Yeah, it was inconvenient for him. David didn't start in a good place. And his life got really inconvenient. He left the, the life of no pressure out there in the hills of Judea. A life of relaxation. A life of you know playing his harp and singing. A life of, of, of laying down with the sheep and in the pasture in the middle of a beautiful summer day and looking up in the, in the sky at the clouds. And, he, and God said, no, I want you to trade that. Eventually, I want you to trade that for a life of pressure and making decisions and having people criticize you and having enemies and people shooting at you and a life of leading your people in war and in conflict and defending the country. And in the meantime, I'm going to give you 10 years running around in the, in the wilderness and the desert for your life. Yeah, it was really inconvenient. And then on top of that, to have a boss who was tormented and, and continually throwing spears at, at, at David as he played his harp. Wouldn't that be fun? You're the target, right? I've often thought the most secure guy in the palace was the plaster repairman. Because Saul's throwing spears at people. They keep sticking in the wall, and, and that guy's got a good job. But everybody else, they're in trouble. It was tough. So there's principle number one, and the challenge for each of us is... What's the inconvenient thing in my life right now that tends to derail me? Now, many of you selected last week that you would face a giant in your life. Yeah, almost 70 of you did that as well. I want to encourage you to continue to face that giant because I can tell you it's probably something that's not too convenient in your life or you would have already faced it, correct? We don't have any trouble facing convenience. Yeah, in fact, think about that. Some of us are going to go barbecue today. Do we like it easy? Yeah, sure. Time was when you had to go out and cut your own wood. Right? Now we go to Safeway. We get it in a bag. Right? But that's not enough. We don't only get it in a bag, but we get this stuff called lighter fluid that we can you know, squirt all over it and drench it and so forth so it's relatively easy to light with a match. 
But that's not good enough either, because now you could go to Safeway and get the briquettes that are already soaked with the lighter fluid, and you could light them with a match, correct? But that's not good enough, because matches are way too inconvenient. We go down to the store and we can buy, you know, a butane-powered fire stick, right? And just click that thing and put a no, no, no more cutting your own wood, no more, all that stuff. Or you could do it like me. You can go out, open the lid, turn on the gas burner, and hit the igniter. <laughs> right? Yeah. We like it easy. And unfortunately, our life tends to follow that path. Number two, other people. I'm reminded of the missionary who, honest to God, got on his knees one day, was so frustrated. He said, God, I could be a great missionary if it wasn't for all these natives. Yeah. Other people. We put it on our t-shirts. I saw a guy with a t-shirt the other day, and he said, those of you who think you're perfect really bug those of us who are. Yeah. All you have to do is study t-shirts, and you can see we get easily irritated with each other. David. Some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him, David is hiding in the hill of Hakalah, which overlooks Jeshimon. Now Saul's trying to find David to kill him. Who are the men of Ziph? These are men, these are people whose lives have been saved because David killed Goliath and delivered them from, from the, from the uh, oppression of the Philistine nation. And how do they thank him? They get a hold of the king and they say, oh, you're looking for David? He's down here. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down. And I've skipped a little part of the story because Saul is camping and he's asleep in the camp and David is nearby and David decides to go into the camp while Saul is asleep. David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. And that's not where the story ends. Abishai says to David, let me strike him down. One shot, and I'll put him down. And David said, no, I can't do that. How could I do this great evil and sin against or raise my hand against the man whom God has anointed? Now, here's the principle from this passage. Take a look at it. The principle is this, that David honored God's people even when they acted foolishly. Do foolish people ever bug you? Yeah, sure. Those idiot drivers out there. All those other people, yeah. But you know, there's an interesting thing. As you go through life, I want you to hear this carefully, as you go through life, you're going to find out that some of the people around you who are even very well-intentioned and who love you dearly, some of those people are going to give you advice that's as wrong as it can be. And God's plan is going to call you this way, and they're going to try to convince you it's over here. 
And then there will be those people who don't like you. And they for sure will try to get you to go over here instead of over here. It is the nature of life. But you know, we get distracted from God's plan two different ways by those people. First of all, the people who are very well-intentioned and love us, but they're giving us bad advice, we can lose our way with God because we want their approval. You understand? We want them to think well of us. And we end up listening to their voice more than we listen to God's. Now this other group of people over here who, who, are, you know, who don't like us, who frankly want, have made themselves our enemies, you know how they can distract us? Not because we're going to follow the advice they give, but somehow we get into a contest with them. And we want to get even with them. You know, these guys from Ziff who said, who said, Hey, Saul, David's down here. Why don't you come and hunt him out? After David has been kind to them. You know, once David gets to be king, what do you think would have been very natural for him to do with those guys from Ziff? Yeah. But he never did. You know why? Because David was pursuing God's plan for his life and not leaning to his own understanding or relying on his own gut or following his own instincts or doing the things that he actually wanted to do, but he was doing the things that were right. You see, the truth is, David honors God's people even when they were acting foolishly and following God's plan always requires us to live with grace toward others. You may have someone in your life right now who's occupying way too much of your thought processes because they haven't treated you well, because they're doing something that's not fair. Who knows what it is, but you find yourself thinking about them, you find yourself irritated by them, you find yourself frustrated by them, and even when they're not around, you find your mind being occupied with them and you're wanting God to get even with them. Okay, We have a whole series of sermons coming up later this fall on forgiveness. But for right now, I want you to understand at least this elementary principle, and that is you'd be better off to treat that person with respect as a fellow human being, even though they're not deserving of it. You'd be better off to treat them with kindness and with grace and then dismiss it and go on about your business of living life pursuing God's will than allowing yourself to get locked into this back-and-forth thing, keeping track of them and all that stuff. Because if you, if you get involved in that, what will happen is very soon you'll be chasing this rabbit and, and, and now you're trying to do God's job instead of following God's will. God calls us very clearly away from that. Let's go to principle number three. Principle number three is this, patience. So what was number one? Inconvenience. What was number two? Other people. Number three is, do we struggle with any of these? We struggle with every one of them, don't we? Of course we do. Patience. That's right. I have a good friend who says, I have a great memory. It's just short. You know, you could say that same thing about patience. I'm a very patient person. It's just that my patients are short. 
No, by its nature, patience has to be long. So take a look at this. Now, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah and Hebron for seven years and six months. And from Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. David was 15 to 17 when he was anointed. And how many years between then and when he became king? 15, 13 to 15 years. And when he was king, for the first seven years, he didn't even rule the whole nation. He ruled only one tribe, and that was the tribe of Judah. David was 37, almost 38 years of age by the time he became actual king over the nation of Israel. Is it a long time from 15 to 37? Yeah, long time. Here's what I want us to understand. David trusted God's plan, even when he would have preferred something sooner. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Of course. We come to church. Pastor talks about something, we've, and the light comes on in our head. We think, wow, I'm going to do that. So we go home, and we do it, and we're, we are ready to reap the results tomorrow, right? In fact, later today would be preferable. When the truth is, friends, oftentimes God calls us to plant seeds way back here. And it may be years before we actually get to reap the results. What happens if we plant and then walk away and forget it? Or we plant. Some of you have had gardens like this, right? Get all jazzed up about planting a garden. I'm going to eat all that fresh stuff. And you go out and you clear out a place and you plant your seeds. And for the first two or three weeks, you're taking really good care of it. And then you go on vacation and you get busy doing other things and the weeds begin to grow up. And you come back from vacation and you look out there and you go, Huh? I I don't have time for that. How much wonderful fresh vegetables did you get out of that garden once you abandoned it? Maybe a little bit here and there, but it's nowhere close to what it could have been. And unfortunately in our lives, when we run out of patience, when we prefer something sooner and God says, no, that's not really in my plan. I'm working in your life on all these things. And I'm working in other people's lives around you. And there is an intersection coming up, up here, where it's all going to come together and, and it will produce in all of your lives what I want it to produce if you stay on track and if you stay with me. And that is the truth. Here's the truth that comes out of this. God's timing is always worth waiting for. Always worth waiting for. The closing thought for the morning is pretty simple. In our own lives, we would prefer... Easy over inconvenient, correct? We would pre, you know what we would love? God, I want you to give me a plan that's convenient in my life, and, and I would love everyone to cooperate with me in that. Right? And I would love to have that plan start today and change my life today or tomorrow. 
But the truth is, it's a journey with God. It's a great journey with God. There will be periods of inconvenience, yes. There will be periods of sacrifice that are called. And those who make the sacrifice will reap the rewards. And when they look back, they will say, it was well worth the sacrifice that I made. The rewards always outweigh the sacrifice when you stay with God. And there will be people who frustrate us. And there will be people who act foolishly along the way. And and those of us who don't get sidetracked into trying to get even with them and competing with them and trying to hold them to justice and do all those things, but those of us who, who simply treat them with kindness and honor them and continue to pursue God's path will will reap rewards that those who get petty and involved in personal things will never reap. And then those of us who stay with the plan don't give up. We'll reap the rewards. I want to read to you a favorite verse of many people that's found in the book of Isaiah. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. By the way, the everlasting God. Would he be on a short-term plan or a long one? What do you think? That's a long-term plan, all right? The creator of all the earth, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. Remember that verse we read at the beginning? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean where? On your own understanding. Why? Because God has understanding you can't even measure. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion under certain circumstances. But those who, what's the next phrase? Trust in the Lord will find what kind of strength? New strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Should it take um, this card that says start here and on the other side, And as we close, I'm going to offer a prayer in just a minute. But I want you to look at the part that says, I would like to apply the teaching by. Okay? Have you ever had anyone say to you, would you like some cheese with that wine? Okay? What's the first one? I will apply this message today by persevering without what? Grumbling, yes. I will show respect this week to an undeserving person. Number three, I will wait for God's timing. And for some of us this morning, if we've never decided to become a follower of Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to say, today, I choose to follow God's will in my life by accepting Christ, by becoming a follower of His. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in this moment of time, we honor You and bless You. Would you guide us now to respond to the teaching of your word that we might live in obedience to your will, not because we're forced to, but, Lord, because we seek your will, knowing that your will for us is always better than our own. Would you teach us the joy of trusting you? And even as we're challenged in this next song, would you help us to learn It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.